you really need to know how to answer that if you want to be successful in this business or you're going to have to go pumping your own money into deals. And if you don't have your own money, like we did in 2005, you, you know, you, um, you're, going to, you're not going to get very far. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to mention DoorDevil. You know, you know what? I need to mention DoorDevil. I need to mention DoorDevil to you. It's not just a want. It's a need because you need this. DoorDevil, quite simply, defends your home against kick-in burglary attacks. They happen frequently. There are 1.4 million homes that are broken into every year, and a lot of them are done through kick-ins. If you've got a home security system, then props to you. I'm glad you've got that, and that's important. But it doesn't prevent the bad people from kicking in your door, whether it's your front door, your back door, your side door. You need something like the Door Devil, and Door Devil is the best in the business when it comes to providing proof that it works. You can go to doordevil.com and even watch a video with Terry Bradshaw talking about it, and you can see how it works. It's a very simple product to install, but if you're not into that, then you can just hire a handy person and they can they can install it for you very simple put it inside the door frame of your front door your back door every door you have and you can defend your home against the kick-in burglary attacks it's needed in addition this is my brother's company so it's near and dear to my heart and because it's my brother's company i'm able to offer you an exclusive discount because he was so kind to do so you can go when you check out your uh, purchase at doordevil.com and there's going to be a little field you enter the word best ever no space just one word best b-e-s-t-e-v-e-r and you'll get a 20 percent discount on your purchase so go to doordevil.com go buy it enter best ever and secure your home against kick-in burglary attacks there are so many testimonials on the website you can read them from police officers from a woman who is being uh, her house is being attacked from an enraged ex-husband and the door devil defended that attack uh, he didn't get in there's like oh, 20 different testimonials from police officers on the door devil go buy it defend your home against burglary kick-in attacks go to doordevil.com and enter the word best ever whenever you check out and you'll get 20% off on your purchase. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the show where we cut out the fluffiest stuff. We don't talk about it. We don't get into that fluffy stuff. Your time's valuable, so we're going to make the most of your time today. With us today, we've got a dynamic duo. How you doing, Matt and Liz Faircloth? Great, Joe. How are you? Hey, Joe. Hey. Doing well, doing really well, and looking forward to diving right in. But before we dive in, a little bit about Matt and Liz, who are the founders of DeRosa Group, which is a developer and owner of commercial real estate and residential property. They've completed over $10 million in private money transactions since 2004. They've grown it from owning a duplex to owning and managing over $6 million in residential and commercial real estate assets throughout central New Jersey and Philadelphia. You can say hi to them at their website, derosagroup.com. They've got a really cool YouTube channel as well called The Landlord Chronicles. If you want to learn more about flipping houses, rentals, rehabs, property management with multifamily, lessons learned along the way, 
Highly recommend checking that out. There will be a link to that in the show notes page. With that being said, you two want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Sure, no problem, no problem. It's uh, great to be here. Um, you know, our, uh, our context for our company is to transform lives through real estate. That's what we say, transforming lives through real estate. And uh, we, we feel like that plays into giving our, our tenants and our homeowners great above, above uh, quality standards, places to live, giving great returns to our investors and giving a vibrant environment for our employees to work in. And, and we feel like real estate touches so many different lives through the people that live in it, the people that buy it, the people that rent from it, the people that do business in real estate because we own some commercial assets, including an office building as well. So we really tried hard to make a, an impact on, on people's lives and their livelihood through um, through what we do with the DeRosa Group. And as you said, we got started in the early 2000s with some investments that Liz and I made when we were still dating, believe it or not. Um, uh, we started out on it with a $30,000 loan and uh, bought that duplex in Philadelphia and just took it from there. And I you know, quit my job in 2005 and, and ran the DeRosa Group full-time uh, while Liz... Uh, Liz supported us uh, with with uh, maintaining a, a day job while I built the business, and uh, it, was, it was a great partnership. And we, we've whether it's through her supporting us through uh, through some side stuff by just working while I built the business, but also working hand in hand in the business now because we're both full time in the company. We've uh, we've been a great partnership together in in building this. You started in the early 2000s on a thirty thousand dollar loan. Yes. And bought a duplex. Where did yes. you get the loan and? And then how'd you go from duplex to the next property? $30,000 loan actually came from my father. And, uh, you know, it was a big, really big deal because we, at the time we were engaged. Me, <laughs> me and Pat, and, you know, I was like, Dad, you want to invest? We, we, we went to some workshops hey, we and for you. read some books and we want to invest in real estate. I mean, real estate, and it was, what's funny about it, too, is that real estate wasn't even in any of our family. It was not, you know, no one had experience in, in real estate necessarily. But Matt and I, you know, both, you know, just went to a ton of workshops and, really want to become financially independent and started looking at property and got really kind of just immediately passionate about it. So, mm -hmm. so we went to my father as our first investor and said, Hey, you know, are you willing to, you know, um, to loan us the money that we need? And, and he, and he was, and our parents both have been amazing support to us. So we're, you know, eternally grateful for them. But, um, but yeah, he had, he had, made that loan, you know, given us that, that money. And then we, well, it wasn't, it wasn't a gift either. We did, no, pay him, we paid him a return on the money as mm -hmm. well. So we did treat him as a, as we would another private lender. It just happened to be uh, Liz's father. But I want to make clear, this wasn't like, you know, hey, oh, hey, here's 30 grand, go knock yourselves out. This was a loan with interest that was paid back and everything like that. So what was the interest? I, you know, geez, it was so long ago. I, it was somewhere between eight and 10%. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All somewhere right. in there. And so. what was the what was the tipping point before you decided to reach out to your soon to be father in law um, and, or or your dad Liz? What was the point where it's like okay, we feel confident enough after attending enough of these sound like seminars mm -hmm. were really influential in making this decision. What what aspect of that made you go from thinking about it to actually getting mm -hmm. the loan secured? Liz and I said we're going to get educated for a year. You know, and I think it was just that year that uh, that we took, and we said, you know, we're going to spend one year just getting immersing ourselves in education, and that and that in, entailed me getting my real estate license. That entailed us going to a ton of the uh, you know just real estate seminars, joining the local RIA, 
and really just building our network and building our knowledge of the business and everything like that. So we just took that long uh, before we got in because we made that agreement going into it that this is how we're going to spend one year getting educated. And we both agreed that that's what it was going to do. And when it was done, we had really immersed ourselves in it to the point where we were very, very ready by the time that we had completed that year. Um, as ready as we thought we were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, I mean, again, first property, you know, I've, I've got, you know, there's an event, the very first tenant we had to evict was the very first unit that we bought. Um, me too. Her? Yeah. <laughs> I can't, oh, I can't, probably shouldn't say her name on the air, but I mean, I, I think about her sometimes, our very first tenant, but yeah. she, uh, we found bullets in her, in her, uh, yeah, her son, her son had bullets in his room and stuff like Good. that. But we ended up, you know, getting her out and, you know, getting uh, new tenants in and, uh, getting a tenant in the other side of the duplex. And, um, and that, that, uh, property was a big learning, uh, immediately out of the gate. And then we ended up selling that and doing a 1031 exchange into a pair of four families in New Jersey. And that was kind of the catalyst that started to build one on top of the other was buying those two, four units next to each other. Mm, okay. Now let's, let's fast forward a little bit to, uh, what I mentioned earlier, uh, because you gave it to me, $10 million in private money transactions. I guess the question is, um, how did you, what does that consist of? Like, what, what are the big chunks of that 10 million, those $10 million transactions? Is it one that was 900000 or how is it broken up? Right. Um, it'd, it'd be, it'd be, I guess it'd be more impressive or less impressive if it was like a $9 million loan. That was the first one and then, <laughs> then a bunch of small stuff. But no, it, it breaks down uh, pretty small, actually. Uh, so it, it's, it's a lot of smaller private transactions, and it's just grown over time to where, uh, to date, we've done larger and larger every time we do one. But it started out... Uh, in 2010, we started doing private transactions, um, private money transactions. The first one was $50,000, and it was a uh, a colleague of, of Liz's from graduate school that, that she got reconnected with at a networking <laughs> event. And, um, you know, he said something that I, that I hear a lot of potential private money partners say, and that is, geez, I'd love to invest in real estate, but I just don't have the time. Right. So it, it uh, and, and I've heard many, many people say that. And that for your listeners is, is a great key for people to be great strategic partners in this business because people that want to get in, but they don't have time to be the operator. And, and that's something that, that we can do. Um, you know, Liz and I and, and your listeners, too, and, and other fellow investors are going to find the deals for these people that want to get returns on their money, but just don't have the time to go out and find it. So that was 50,000 bucks. He put that into, um, we bought two single family little row homes here in Trenton, right where our office is. And we fixed them up, put tenants in and were able to refinance them and pull all his equity back out. And we've rolled that equity into more and more deals. So that was our first. And then we, we just grew from there and, and, you know, got people to put in uh, larger portions of equity to, to, uh, to do deals with us while we were also building folks that just wanted to make like more of a fixed return on their money. So we also built a private lending relationship with some folks. Most of, most of those folks have self-directed IRAs because it's such a, there's a great way to leverage returns with a self-directed IRA that people can just see exponential growth on their money with a self-directed IRA as a loan. Mm -hmm. With that $50,000 example that you mentioned where you pulled the equity back out and rolled it into more deals, yep. when you say pulled it back out, you paid him off, so you paid him his 50 k back plus the return, and then he was out of the deal. Is that correct? 
No, we uh, we didn't do it that way. Okay. We, we 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 pulled his 50k out, uh-huh. right? Um, and then we took that 50k, and he actually pulled in another friend of his that wanted you know wanted to get in real estate but didn't have the time to do it, right? So uh, we took that 50k from the LLC I had formed with this investor, and we had another guy come in and pump in an additional 75,000, and with that 125,000, we went out and bought several other properties. So. We, okay. we leveraged that 50K. We just parlayed it into more deals. I didn't give him his money back. We, we just He, he re- remains owner of those properties. I could have just given him his 50K back and retained those, retained those two single-family homes on my own, but I wanted to build a long-term relationship, and so I was happy to let him stay owner and, and roll his money over and, and perhaps take – yeah, I take less ownership. But in exchange for that, he's a raving fan of the DeRosa Group and the returns that I can provide him and – um, and his, his returns have gone off the charts for what he's gotten because he's been able to parlay that money over a few times. And what ownership structure did you have with that deal? In the beginning, we started doing LLCs. And that was all, that was fine until I started doing business with a couple of doctors. And I just found doctors literally own nothing. Like their, their name is on nothing. Their, their, their wives own their house, their car, everything, everything, everything. Um, I mean, these guys barely exist aside from having a driver's license and a medical degree. So they, they just began, it's, it's all because of medical malpractice insurance. Mm, okay. So if they were to get sued, they just, there's no assets, right? So these guys could not personally guarantee anything. They didn't want their name to go on anything. And so I had to go out and do a little more research, and we came up with the limited liability partnership structure, which is an LLP. And we use LPs also, but an LLP or an LP, where these doctors came in as limited partners, and they weren't they didn't have to personally guarantee anything. They didn't have to show their financials. They were literally able to be 100% silent partners, and we were the general partner in the deal. Before that, we were using an LLC where all the investors, including this guy from, uh, from Liz's Alumni Association, I had to show his financials and personal guarantee the mortgage, and he was fine to do that. He was happy to do that. He didn't, it, you know, he doesn't, he didn't have any liability issue um, with it. So um, he obviously got a little more ownership in exchange for doing that. And, so, and as far as ownership structure, how much ownership did they get versus you get? First deal I did, the guy was a 50-50 split. He put up 50 50k, and he got 50% ownership of the property. Um, and how much did you put up, if anything? Nothing. Okay. Yeah, I, I haven't. We haven't put our we put our own money into a deal uh, about mm-hmm. a year ago, not a year, about six months ago. Um, but up until that point, Liz and I have been, you know, had had have had enough investors and private money folks um, that are willing to do business with us and believe that believe in what we do that we haven't had to put our money into a deal in about four and a half years. So over those four and a half years, how much money did you raise? That, well, that's that's the, the that's the ten million. Uh, no, well, the, the ten million we haven't in, done in 10 transactions, million, right? Ten million in total transactions. transactions how much? Involving yeah, how, money, how much so. would you say you raised over those four and a half years? Uh, probably about three. Okay, about three yeah. million. So yeah. you did three million dollars. You raised three million dollars without putting any of your own money into the deals. Yes. Wow, that's amazing. Clearly, they asked the question to you: How do you have any skin in the game? Are you investing into the deal? What's your response? Well. It's it's uh and it's a good question and I think that it's asked too right <laughs> oh absolutely absolutely <laughs> okay. anybody that's that's worth their that's worth their salt is going to ask that question and I think that, that that you really need to know how to answer that if you want to be successful in this business or you're going to have to go pumping your own money into deals and if you don't have your own money like we did in 2005 you, you know you um you're gonna you're not gonna get very far so uh 
the way I answer it is, you know, I do have skin in, and uh, this skin is my a my reputation. I've been in business for ten years. Number one. Number two, if there is a mortgage to personal guarantee, I'm personal guaranteeing it, and so I'm putting myself on the line as a and, and even though um, there are uh, you know even bigger deals or we're, we're uh, working on a 49 unit apartment complex to purchase right now I'll gladly sign off all the on all the liabilities of the mortgage but it's probably not going to be a recourse loan but still if, if uh, there's still a reputation and there's still some some repercussions in there for me signing off and putting my personal name and all that kind of stuff on a mortgage so yes I'm doing all that number one number two I'm putting in in this it's it's a big value, especially if you know what you're doing. This the sweat equity that I put in into the deal, and that's just the day to day operations, the day to day running around that Liz and I both put into uh, to, to to manifesting these deals is of big value because these people just don't have time to to invest in this business. They don't have time to do this, and so we do. And that time that we have, and the resources, and the network that we have, is all of value. Yes, they're putting they're putting dollars up, but we're putting time and relationships and our own assets and reputation into the deal too. So Okay. Very yeah. yeah. I, I I love talking to people who are experienced raising money and, and just learning how they navigate conversations. I know for my first deal I also did not put any of my own money in it because mm-hmm. I didn't have any money to put into the deal. Yeah. And I, I had, you know, similar conversation Another way that I approached, or in addition to what you just said, I approached it by having the brokers who are representing me on the deal uh, put in their their commission into the deal to be part owners with us, and then that shows more alignment of interest. Um, so yeah, very, very interesting stuff. I know that you have one very challenging investor who asked a very tough question. So I'm going to ask a couple tough questions based on your response to what you just said. You said you're putting sweat equity into the deal. Well, uh, in your personal guarantee, well, I'm pretending I'm an investor, by the way. Well, I'm I'm also have a personal guarantee because I just submitted my financials. And yeah, you get you have sweat equity in the deal, but you're compensated based on the 50% that you're receiving in the deal. So, you know, it, it's 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 like yes, but you're already being compensated for that stuff. So, what would you say to that? Um, well, we probably wouldn't do a deal like that anymore. Um, but uh, you know, meaning I probably wouldn't do the 50/50 split, you know, uh, at this what would point, you, what would you do now? Oh, I I probably would actually give him more ownership. To be honest, I okay. probably would would drop down to say you know thirty to forty percent ownership on the general partner side, depending on the deal, okay. um, and uh, and that because the guy is you know like you said it's personally guaranteeing um, you know if he was willing to do that under an LLC and um, and I just, I just probably wouldn't do that deal anymore because it was it's just smaller than what than what we would want to deal with but it was his first time investing it was our first time investing we had a very close relationship with this guy so it was more of a friendly hey let's try this out and see if see how it goes because it was our first time doing it too um, so but yeah in, in, in the in, in uh, future transactions like this apartment complex that the 49 unit that we're doing in central Pennsylvania uh, we're going to be taking 30% ownership in exchange for all that stuff that we're doing and mm-hmm. putting the deal together. So we're really giving the lion's share to our investors, but that's okay because we do really well on 30% ownership of a 49-unit apartment building. I mean, it's it's still it's still a nice return. So, mm-hmm. and when when you look at deals, is there a threshold of profitability back to 
your you know you two that you want to see in order to pull the trigger on a deal? It's a dollar amount uh, that we that we try and make for for larger deals. It's just goals that Liz and I have. We went into this into this year saying that we wanted to make at least twenty five thousand dollars in passive income for for us through uh, multifamily purchases uh, on top of what we have for everything else. And so there's a dollar amount for us, but I don't fo- honestly, Joe, I don't focus too much on us. I'm looking more when I structure a deal, I'm looking at what the investors are going to get. Because this deal, 70% ownership for them generated a a cash-on-cash return that that was really, really attractive. And so – yeah, I mean, maybe I could have been a little more greedy in taking taking forty, but I but I kind of I I feel like I'm over um exceeding expectations by giving them thirty by giving them seventy percent, and they don't necess- It's not that they don't want eighty percent. I'm sure they'd gladly take it if I gave it to them, but I think that they're very glad to get the returns that they're getting at seventy. So I think it's a matter of feeling out your investors that work that that are looking to work with you and gauging what returns they'd like to see, and then structuring a deal to meet that, and then. What they don't get, I get. So I, I really look at investor returns when I structure a deal and say, okay, what are my investors willing to accept as a, as a favorable return for themselves and whatever's left that, that, that I'm not going to give to them, I to keep for myself. After raising about $3 million for deals, what's something that has surprised you about that process? You're, you're on a roll. Yeah, I'm on a roll. <laughs> oh, I'll jump in when I, when I see I want the know, I want your listeners to remember my wife is yeah, sitting here yeah. next to me. My, 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 I got a lot uh, to yeah. share, but my you're on a roll. In this operation. I still feel like I'm taking the last question. So you keep going, Matt. Just keep sure. on rolling. Yeah, well, what, what surprised me is, uh, the most about this business and, and raising private money and everything like that is how much easier it is than people think it is in, in raising private money. Um, and then I trust you. It's not like Liz and I are just, you know, born with a silver spoon in our mouth and just know tons and tons of rich people and, and that. Like yeah. most of the money that Liz and I have raised came from our like immediate own personal network. Not and it wasn't just our parents either. It was just people we've met. Just you know the guy at the networking group or you know the person from the alumni association from Liz's school or um, you know a, 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 a drinking buddy of mine from when I was in my 20s and that kind of stuff you know like just the folks that just hear what it is that we're up to you know and um, and like oh you know what I'd love to do that and how can I get involved in that how can I diversify my investments and everything so the biggest surprise I've had in, in raising money is just you know that it's way way more simple in getting people interested than the folks that are looking to get into this think that it is. I would also add though too, like by by raising by raising more money and having more people involved in in this business of ours, you know, our we become more conservative, we become more scrupulous, we become mm-hmm. more serious um, with with anything we get involved because we were always asking the question. We're last, and our investors are first. Yep. And you know, if this thing, you know, there's a couple projects we're working on that, you know, we're 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 in the problem solving mode because you know, just things things shift and change, and you just got to become very nimble in this business wherever, you know, however long you've been in this. So, you know, we we really ask the question. We are we are always asking the question as we're figuring this out and 
making these couple projects right, so to speak, and, and making them improving the, the situation, we're asking what, what's the best for our investor? What mm-hmm. is the best for our investor? Mm-hmm. You know, how, are, how are we going to protect our investor? And that is like the number one question that, and, and you know, you, you certainly, you know, your worry goes up and, you know, your concern goes up when mm-hmm. it's, it was just him and I, uh, you know, oh, well, you know, you could always lose your own money. You don't want to, but <laughs> it's a yeah. little more like, okay, well. And we've done that. And we have done that. <laughs> in the beginning. But, you yeah, know, yeah. you have other people's money at stake. You're, you have you're such you have to be such a you know a steward of that money and uh, I don't know I feel like we've gotten so much more serious in our business because we have raised money and I, I think we've become better for it yeah. I don't think we would have been as um, you know I don't think we've grown would have grown as much if we had not done it with other with other partners and I I just we just mm-hmm. take it very seriously too and I think that's really key <laughs> it's a good way to put it so, well, Liz just said you're stewards of these people's money and i think that that's that's really a way to look at it so it's not like oh it's just easy we can raise millions and just do whatever we want with it i mean these people have entrusted their financial future uh to us and and it's to a big other, deal. yeah it's a really big and then to you joe i know you've done uh, lots of big deals too so i'm sure you feel the same way that, that it's an honor to have these people's money in, involved in projects and they're building their financial future and of course i get to you know build mine as you do with yours yeah you know, in, in partnership with these folks. Absolutely. Makes yeah. sense. What is a tip that you, t- I'm switching gears on you, uh, just, just, just preparing you. What's a tip <laughs> you have for other real estate investing couples who are going to go into the business together? Well, I have I have plenty of tips. <laughs> Are they all for Matt? <laughs> so we've been married eleven years, Joe. We got, okay. we, we've developed a few tips. Well, yep. it's funny because yeah. I, you know, Matt and I, I know you know this. Matt and I are, are uh, weekly bloggers on uh, Bigger Pockets, and the, the post that's coming out tomorrow, literally, uh, is about um, another topic around investing with your spouse. So there's so many tips I could probably share with you. Um, you know, if I had to say one, yeah. you know, I think I think the biggest one is to have shared values and goals, but on the other hand, have distinct roles and value you bring to the table. So what I mean by that is, you know, Matt and I, since we literally have met, have such similar goals and values and, mm. you know, what we're really trying to get out of life. We, we, are, we are so much on the pa- same page with that. Now, how we get there and how we do it individually is very different and distinct. <laughs> so what we've had to learn over literally 11 years of working together from me part-time, strategic, tactical, I mean, every part of the business um, and every side of, you know, every piece of our business, I've, we've learned to, what's worked for us at least, is that um, each of us has our own kind of focused areas and roles and responsibilities. And, you know, you, you just can't micromanage each other. I mean, mm. and I think, you know, when I first worked with Matt full-time, when we when it didn't work and it didn't work really badly, I was his assistant and and you know based on my personality and who I am that just didn't work. Yeah. Um, I was doing the bookkeeping. I was horrible at it. I mean, really, literally everything I touched, I just wasn't adding any value. <laughs> yeah. So um, although I put furniture together and I was helpful there, <laughs> but do that. um, but my point is that I have a lot of that. I mean, I have a lot of strengths. I have 
lot of things I bring to the table. And when I've worked with him again now, you know, round two of our working together, um, you know, I work on projects and, and I'm not in his day to day. He's been running the day to day. So for me to now run the day to day for him would be ludicrous. And I don't do yeah. that. And I'm very careful not to do that. I'm just, what can I work on? And then we work together when we need to. And that's really worked wonderfully yeah. for us. We have disconnect and, you know, of course, but we yeah. have come a long way. And I think that's huge. So work through that. So yeah. shared values, but coming at those shared values and vision with really like bringing your passions, bringing your strengths individually to the table where you both feel value. What's your best real estate investing advice ever? <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Um, hmm. Jeez. Just uh, start small. Uh, and I know I know all the folks out there don't want to hear that. They're like, oh, I want to buy a thousand unit apartment complex next week and quit my job and live and move to Tahiti. Uh, but I'm sorry, that's that's probably not going to work out. Or you may spin your wheels quite a bit before you get there. Um, I, I would say start smaller or at least work on larger projects under mentorship of others. And uh, and that. So just um, you know, understand you got to put one foot in front of the other. And that's that's advice number one. And advice number two is don't ever quit. And th this business can hit back very very hard. You know, it, it can it, it can hit you right in the chest sometimes. And um, I think that the desire to quit sometimes in this business, if your investors back out or if a deal falls through or whatever it is, like you know what, screw it, I'm just gonna go and you know go back and get a job, whatever it is. I find that the secret to mine and Liz's success has been to stay in the game and to fight off that desire to quit when it has come up in the past. So when, uh, those are my two tips. At what, at what point was the desire to quit the strongest in the business for you two? Oh, when we were the first time that we tried to work together when we were married. Liz, just 2009. Briefly, yeah, 2009. Liz and I, uh, she quit her job as well. We didn't have enough revenue coming from the business in 2009 to really meet our expenses. So Liz and I lived on savings for a year. Um, you know, it was, uh, you know, we just, she was, she's a little money pack rat. So she had packed away a bunch of money um, when we were, uh, when we were dating. And so we lived on that in 2009 and just is very stressful. We didn't have a plan. Um, the, the desire to quit, uh, you know, the business and, and everything was very, very, very strong. Um, but we stuck to it. And I mean, you know, in, in 2000, in the early 2000s, well, we had significant amounts of money pretty much stolen from us by, um, by, you know, like a Bernie Madoff kind of shyster guy that was looking to do big deals and was just fleecing people. So we had one of those guys steal a bunch of money from us. And I would say the desire to quit um, was, was big there, but we pushed through it and, and kept going. And, and, and what's the one point after that desire to quit subsided that you saw the momentum really pick up? What's, what's that one thing that happened? Well, good. I was just saying the, the biggest thing was in, by raising, bringing more partners into the business and raising money. Um, you know, we were at such a, we, we were plateaued, you know, we mm -hmm. were kind of, maximizing what we had and we had a rental portfolio but it just was it wasn't growing and we weren't yeah. growing and, and we needed to grow in order to obviously increase returns for people increase our own income everything so we were plateaued and that one you know not that one there was people before that but that that whole energy you know that whole network uh you know folks in new york and yeah. doctors and those are the those were huge opportunities yeah. for us and they showed up you know while we kept going and that was the you know, we decided not to quit and we just kept pushing and, and as liz said we realized hustle. that you yeah, had a hustle oh yeah and as we realized that you know grow that growth and more deals is what we needed to do because we were stuck 
in in a situation where we weren't making enough money from the portfolio we had. The portfolio wasn't going to turn around anytime soon. Now you, you remember what happened in the real estate market in you know 2007, 8, 9, right? So we were right in you know dead center in the middle of that. So our portfolio wasn't turning or or changing much in, in that. So what really shifted was doing more transactions. We didn't have any more of our own money to do transactions. So we had to start bringing investors in, and that's that's really really what flipped it over and and um, and allowed us to make more money while making money for other people. You know you know, but we were able to to really expand our brand and and grow when we started raising private money. And we had that track record to show, like, hey, listen, we've already owned all this real estate. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, it's not you know making millions, but we've been able to keep it alive and it's managed well and it's in good condition, so we could show that as a track record of five years worth of successful ownership uh, to leverage for new deals. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Please. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Do you need more leads for your real estate business and do you need a platform to help you get those leads? Well, Danny Johnson, previous best ever guest, episode 294, has exactly the solution for you, best ever listeners. Go to leadpropeller.com. And that's going to help you, well, get more leads. He's got a website service that you can sign up for. It's a money-back guarantee for the first 30 days, so no risk involved. Leadpropeller.com. You can also click the link in the show notes page, and that will take you right there. Best ever book you've read? Best ever book I've read? Um, Jeez. Thinking Grow Rich. That a girl. There best, you go. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it? Uh, the Millionaire Mind um, weekend and, and with a close second to Landmark Forum. What did you learn from it? Uh, Landmark Forum, I learned that I own um, my reaction to things and that, that uh, I, I learned how much my past contributes to who I am and, and how I'm able to let some of those things go that no longer serve me. As a couple, Millionaire Mind Intensive was amazing because we were able to really get through our money blueprint and how we approach money, and that's been huge ever since. One of the main things I took away from Unleash the Power Within with Tony Robbins when I was actually in New Jersey, I think last year when I went there, um, was that I control the emotions that I have at any point in time. So very similar to what you just said, you own your own reaction. It's it's so true. You just step outside yourself. You gotta step outside yourself and see how you're reacting things and then you can actually make a different choice. Nothing has meaning until we give it meaning. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Best ever deal you've done. Best ever deal we've done. Um, it might be right now. We're in the middle of a seven thousand square foot fix and flip in um in just uh, south of our office in Pennsylvania. It's a six bedroom, six and a half bath, pretty much a mansion for all intents and purposes. Uh, with a pool and everything like that. And I, and I think that the returns on that are just going to be off the charts. So um, I think that may be the best deal we've ever done. Would you agree? I probably agree with him. Yeah. What's off the charts? How, how do you how you quantify that? Uh, probably 170000 180000 Over what period of time? Over a period of four months. Best ever way you like to give back? Um. Jeez. I would say. Well, can I? Can I say something? <laughs> we're we're see we're here in the dynamics. You like that? Um, well, I, I think for our real estate investing goals in Trenton, we are really committed to improving the the community as well, and we feel like that's a give back. So as we're improving properties, as we're making returns for investors, we're really trying to focus on key strategic areas in Trenton right now where we can really help improve the community as a result. 
So that's really important to us. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate so far? Mm. The Bernie uh, guy? Yeah, yeah, right. Where do you start? I, it's, I can think of many in the first five years that we were in business. What's that? Yeah, par- partnerships. Yeah, jumping into partnerships too quick, I, I would say. Um, we were in a, in a real estate partnership that, that um, was good in the beginning, but we just, just got completely you know, neck deep in, in bed with this partner before really vetting out you know, what roles, goals, and compensation we're going to look like. And it's just, uh, we're in the middle of unwinding that right now. Um, and, and so I think that we just went, just went too far too fast into that direction. And so I think that like, you know, advice that I got, or just what I, lesson I got from that is one, you know, take a step, evaluate course correct, take a step, evaluate course correct. Uh, mm. Don't take like three steps without evaluating course correcting yeah. each time. And had I done that, the partnership would have never gone where it did. Um, we just went really far and we kept saying, oh, we'll figure it out. We'll do better next time. We'll do better next time. And we weren't doing better next time. So, What's the best ever place the best ever listeners can reach you to? A uh, uh, YouTube channel uh, would be Landlord Chronicles. Uh, just look up Landlord, the Landlord Chronicles on YouTube. Uh, and also our website, derosagroup.com. That's D-E-R-O-S-A group.com. And we're both very active on Bigger Pockets. So. Yep, BP. Awesome. Well, Matt and Liz, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your advice with the best ever listeners and talking about all these private money transactions, $10 million worth of private money transactions, and really fascinating $3 million that you raised without investing any of your own money into the deals. You did that by having your reputation online, your personal guarantee with those properties, and like you mentioned, the sweat equity into the deal, and then also just being uh, good with people. I mean, that, that's clear too. I mean, you, you've got to have the communication skills to uh, navigate those conversations because not anybody can take those bullet points that we just talked about and they they repeat them to somebody and still close on those deals. There has to be a level of trust, credibility, and a way to communicate that in a genuine way, as you said earlier, that you have uh, the investors at the forefront of your your mind when when you're thinking about these deals. And if we don't, then that's going to come to the surface in some form or fashion when you're speaking to them either verbally or non-verbally. And if you don't have that genuine focus of investor first, then you're not going to be able to uh, raise that money with or without putting in your own capital into deals. And really love hearing how you two have grown, progressed, and looking forward to our next conversation. So thanks so much for being on the show. Have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. Do you need more leads for your real estate business? And do you need a platform to help you get those leads? Well, Danny Johnson, previous best ever guest, episode 294, has exactly the solution for you, best ever listeners. Go to leadpropeller.com and that's going to help you, well, get more leads. He's got a website service that you can sign up for. It's a money-back guarantee for the first 30 days, so no risk involved. Leadpropeller.com. You can also click the link in the show notes page, and that will take you right there.